Our guest today started her entrepreneurial career with opening a erotic shop in 1998. But this was not a normal erotic shop. Her goal was to getting away from the shady image and making it more accessible to all the people. So she opened the store right next to the main shopping street in Copenhagen. So let the podcast begin. Hi, and I'm today here with Sabine. So I would say introduce, introduce yourself. Yes, hello, I am uh, Sabina. I am um, Swedish by birth. Uh, I grew up in the 70s in Sweden with sort of like a left, leftish family, intellectual artists and teacher. My mom is a teacher. People long stocking and stuff like this. So I, uh, I was quite early a feminist. Um, I'm a certified sexologist and I'm a, I have a, a, an education as a project leader as well. Awesome. So how, how did you start your entrepreneur career? Uh, in this school, this project management school in Denmark, uh, it's called the Chaos Pilot. It is a very sort of innovative um, initiative where a lot of people get together and it's very generalized, but you are taught to, to you know, develop your toolbox and, and go out and make primarily cultural projects, but, but you can actually apply this education to any field. And uh, I've had a sort of burning interest for this erotic uh, yeah, eroticism in all, all shapes and forms since I was very young, uh, also as an artist, visual artist or performance artist. Uh, and I had a, a really good friend in this school and she, um, she asked me if I wanted to, to start this business up with her, an erotic shop that was different, that was like for women, by women, with focus on more like uh, knowledge and, and ethics and um, for me it was a lot about exploring the senses as well and we we did that quite young so we had a lot to learn <laughs> we were 28 when we when we started so what was would you say were the first uh, learning points you had there like the first mistakes you made as you made the decision to go for it We made a lot of mistakes, but you can also look back at those mistakes and say, uh, well, they were also our advantages because we came as such blank slates and we had the attitude that we wanted to revolutionize the yeah. erotic world and field. And, and we didn't want to do it like everybody else had done it. So we took on a, a huge space in the middle of the city, which is like outside the sort of traditional red light district. And it was uh, an, an enormous rent, but it was like beautiful space. Um, and, um, and instead of like opening in a little basement and, and sort of like growing organically, we, we really, you know, said, okay, this is going to be it. This is a big stuff. And we got investors and we got, We got everything in, in line, and, and then we're like, okay, so where's the client, <laughs> you know? Because this was so new that, that people, they could sense it was something new. And, and we were on the sort of news and in the media, and because it actually was groundbreaking the way we approached the, the topic. Uh, but the sort of the market wasn't there yet, because 
mm, mainstream wasn't used to buying erotic goods. Um, so it was really a hard startup. But once we were in it, we couldn't just walk away from it. Um, so, so we just worked and worked really hard until uh, people started to dare to, <laughs> to buy, you know, instead of just walking around for hours. They would spend hours in the shop and just look at everything. And then they would, like, say, uh, congratulations, thank you, and go out again. <laughs> and we're like, okay. Uh, come back. <laughs> so, so let's let's start let's start from the from the beginning. Again. So, your vision was to um, to make the the erotic world more more mainstream means like less shady, I would say, right? It wasn't to make it mainstream. It was to make it uh, accessible for females uh, and also a more holistic approach, where we also brought in the the spiritual level of sexuality and. And, and the sensuality to bring in the senses instead of just focusing on, you know, uh, the, the sort of hard, sort of pornographic level. Yeah. The, only the sex, like only the root chakra. We wanted to have all the, the whole body and the whole mind in the process as well. Yeah. Because a lot of, of, of people like us, like girls, young girls, if we go into a normal sex shop, There will be, there will be f like full of guys there just looking at us, yeah. like making us into objects, thinking what oh, she's gonna buy, what she, does she like, and it was like a creepy experience. So, um, it was much needed a space, sacred space for for female sexuality. Yeah, awesome. So it's like it's really interesting because in a, in a theory of lean startup, we would say yeah. Um, Use a really small space. Try to try to um, try to go small and then try to grow organically. But out of your perspective, it's definitely needed to be outside of the of the normal red light district. Definitely, and it's also probably really smart to go there than on a public, really known space where you know you're more in the mainstream. Just to to get out of this shady, how you say, out this out of this out of this corner. So. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. So you said like you took a huge risk with that. You got investors for that. You you um you got a huge uh, space with a high rent. And um, yeah. how how you pursued the uh, the investors to invest in you because you probably didn't have a big entrepreneur background. Or how did you get them to well, believe in you? That's that school was was uh, great because. Uh, That was also kind of like a famous, it is still quite famous in Denmark for, for being so, um, well, revolutionary in that sense that, that we, it, it's a good breeding ground for entrepreneurs. You know, you learn how to think out of the box. You learn how to say yes to unknown situations and just launch yourself forward. I mean, it's called the chaos pilots and that's pretty much sums it up. And these people were, they got involved, they were successful businessmen that have been um, teaching at the school, I believe. Um, so we had them already in our network. Awesome. And for them, I, I guess the investment was quite small and it was like a, a funny, sort of provocative <laughs> uh, uh, investment for them. Uh, I think it, it brought them quite a lot of personal pleasure on, in a, on a level you know ah, okay so so how did you calculate then you, you got like funding for six months or 
how did you calculate uh, the well i mean the thing is we 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 weren't that business minded at all we just you know we knew we we needed some money to to get this together and and we had you know didn't have much ourselves but um, we 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 got them involved we got a bank loan as well because we got them involved and then we had about half a million danish krona to to sort of spend on the project and uh and and yeah like after a while like after a couple of years i think it was uh we bought them out and then i bought my original partner out and then i was on my own basically okay okay so you figured the 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 business material out on the go like just the numbers you you did that on the go or no you probably needed to do some some <laughs> business plan for the banks no otherwise they don't give you credit yeah Yeah, it was more my. I, I I was so bored with like numbers, and I I had no idea what a budget was, and I was like, I was this sort of very off the ground, uh, floaty artist type that that was really good with visions, but I had like really no clue about the bottom line, you know. And my partner, she didn't have much clue either, but she did like the original budgets and stuff like this and uh, i remember i think that was the first summer she had to cancel her vacations and like sit in the basement of our accountant and do all the sort of stuff that she was supposed to have done like the whole year or something like this so we were not sort of the typical uh typical startup people that know everything we just we had a good idea We had a sort of far out idea, but we stuck with it and we we worked really hard. But we also, yeah, we did a lot of mistakes and and we did not count on this. And I think again, like that was to our advantage because we had so many people telling us this is never gonna work. You know, it's beautiful, it's great, it's idealistic, but it's never gonna work. I was like. Well, you know, hey, we we just did this, you know. We have it now. It's not, it's not an option. And why do you keep saying that? You know, it's like not very nice. But but it it wouldn't work. Like if you put it on the paper and you 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 did the number, it wouldn't work because because it was a hard startup. As I say, you know, it, we 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 were through all this like blood, sweat, and tears, and we're in this. And what are we gonna do? But but then after a while, it's like. It starts to work. All all beginnings are really hard, and I think you're really fooling yourself if you think you're gonna start up something and it's just gonna go like smoothly and you're never gonna have a hard time and you're never gonna doubt it. But if you do that, if you do the investment and if, and if you go through that sort of fire, then stick with it because otherwise you just wasted your time and wasted all your energy. And after a while, everything gets easier if it's the right thing you're doing. You know, if you're just doing it to get rich, or if you're just doing it to to be cool, or if you have like bad motivation, like your ego or what other people think about it, then then yeah, it's gonna be really rough, and maybe it's it's not gonna work. But but if you do believe it, and if it has sort of like a benefit to other people and not just you. Yeah, it's gonna work, and don't listen to these sort of people telling you it's never gonna work because 
they they have their own reasons to say stuff like that. Maybe they're just jealous. Maybe they just have a bad job. Maybe they never had a good experience with dreams. You know, maybe they never dared to dream. So <clears throat> I definitely agree with that. That like a vision is uh, the the core of any business. If you don't have a vision, kind of the soul is leaking. Um, but let's let's go a bit more. Go back in detail. So you made you 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 got money to invest. You got the store. And then what happened afterward? It sounded like you had people coming into store because of the media attention you got. And then they just told you it's beautiful, but they didn't bought anything. Or what was then the, the next problem you, you faced? Yeah, I mean, we, we, then we faced cash flow problems, of course. Um, and we, I remember we were at that point where, where we just didn't have any money, really. And, and It was really demotivating, but we were also at the point where we were in debt and we couldn't really just walk away from it. That would have like, that wouldn't have good consequences for anybody. And um, so we just stuck with it and, and we carried on and, and slowly, you know, things picked up and, and, The people that had been there and just checking it out, they came back and they came back and they bought something and we were as we were like massively in the media and and we started collaborating also on with you know uh, the cancer institute and and the hospitals and the nurses and and stuff like this. So we we also sort of got into the community on a, on a sort of uh, medical level in a way. And uh, so it was super interesting. It was not just a shop. It was, we really felt that there was, we were really filling out a need there. And, and it was so rewarding that it didn't matter if we could like, I mean, we just scraped by financially, but, but the reward of the gratitude was so immense that, We had no doubt that that we were doing the right thing. So, did you get the media attention right away, or was it just with time building up, or you were in consistent flow of media attention? No, we 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 got it right away because um, we were. I remember we were on the national news like twice, and that was kind of weird, you know. Just you open a shop and you you're on the national news, but but then how we, media works you know that you're like in one place and somebody hears it and then they want to make their angle and yeah. and yeah and we were like young women and we, we I was also doing a lot of like events and performances and stuff like this so I was very active in in sort of the subculture of, of Copenhagen and met a lot of people so so we were sort of just penetrating the whole society yeah in a way yeah so um, and then you said like you you got did you got from the start way a, a good customer flow in with the media intention did that work so did, did you had kind of all the time people I said the that, that we got that uh, sort of visible and people gain knowledge about our shop like that it still took them a lot of sort of courage and time to to become customers yeah, okay. but but uh, of course that was that was great you know if you can get 
media attention, then that's that's perfect because it has a big impact and also it's sort of legalizing a concept in a way. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So so we had customers from the start, they they kind of loved the store but always told you it will never work and then you just gave them time to and then over time. It was actually mostly not so many of the the clients that said that it was mostly our friends. Like they would they would come and they would like check it out and they would drink the kava or we did a lot of events and stuff there also and they would be like yes it's really cool but you know this is this is really difficult i i guess they just understood that that it was sort of a mouthful that we had chewed off there hmm. how, how long how long was the time until like it turned around you said like in the beginning you got cash flow problems because you didn't sell enough so one more I think about one and a half, two years, I would say, was, oh. was uh, for sure very difficult. And, uh, and then it started to, to prosper more. What, what was your main tactic to survive this time? What were, because you, you got more money from the investors or you used the money really, no. really well, what you had? Or? I mean, we, we, just, uh, we just were really resourceful and we, um, we'd worked We've worked hard with, you know, to have a shop is hard work. You have to, to be there and you have to give service. You have to show up and be, be giving, even if you're in a, in a bad mood or even if you feel like shit, you know. But, but we did that. And, and also, like, we were lucky to, to have each other as partners because we knew each other really well from school and we, we would never sort of let each other down in a professional or, or personal way. And, and that's, I can see a lot of these partnerships go sour if you don't have the sort of basic respect and love for each other. I can totally see when the going gets rough and you don't really care so much about this other person, then it's going to get a bit ugly, I guess. Okay, yeah. So So that's another really concrete advice I would give to anybody out there that, do not go into partnership uh, on a professional level with someone that you don't really respect and honor on a personal level as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a saying that like uh, building a company is like a marriage and you don't marry yeah. anyone, uh, any, everyone. So, yeah, yeah, that's true. Totally. So, um, um, so, what what would be your main free learnings? Like one we said already, like having someone, having a good partner you respect and um, you can admire. What would be the other two learnings you would put out there from your first store there? Yeah, I mean, I would also say that a good idea is is great. But it's only the beginning. It's like a one-night stand in a way, if we keep this metaphor with, yeah. with the relationships. Um, so, so then you really need sort of the, the discipline and the commitment and the focus as well. Because if you start to like, see, Andy, I could also do this, or this person is also cool and, and she has a good idea, and, and then, then you're not committed, then you're not, you're not really doing everything you can to move this forward and and to be committed you need to have something on the line so yeah. if you just get investments from people and and you're like yeah okay i'll see if my 
I did works and mm, didn't really work. Well, sorry, you lost your money, you know. Put stuff on the line, like have something at risk and 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 let your heart guide you. You know, don't don't just let your mind guide you because that's not really enough. You have to to have your whole you have to to really invest your whole body and mind in in what you want to do, what you want to achieve. Otherwise, it just becomes some uh, very abstract uh, task that that will not get real, and it probably won't get succeed either. Okay, interesting. <clears throat> just to add something to it, um, there's a saying that like um, you can see this as a good sign that everyone tells you what you do is not working. Um, because if everyone would say, yeah, that works and it's easy, then like you don't do something groundbreaking and it will be not a big, big success. So Airbnb right. comes in mind. The Airbnb, they got like told all the time what you do is doesn't work, is stupid. Nobody yeah. will ever let someone else sleeps in their house. Like just stop doing it. Um, yeah, then they fight it through and now everyone knows Airbnb. Yeah, interesting. Um, would you say it was... Uh, advantage to be then a woman in this field for entrepreneurship or how, how do you think about that? Well, uh, to begin with, all the sort of distributors and, and also to a point our competitors, I guess, they were just thinking like, yeah, okay, it's really cute. These two girls want to like do it all differently, but but that's not how you do it. You know, that okay. that's also their attitude. Like, yeah, you know, you can want to do that, but listen, this is what works. This is what we know works. And we would be like, you know what? We don't want to do it the way you tell us to do it. So there we really needed our sort of uh, feministic, uh, badass attitude to to sort of stay with our focus and our our ways of doing things. Because if we would just comply to the norm and, and like listen too much and lean too much towards what was the common ways of doing things uh, we would not have sort of carved out the new market that we actually did do you, do you have another concrete example for that because i think like do we have a big store on the main street which is kind of expensive is one example to, for that do you have another example um uh, well, I mean, it's mostly what I remember. It's mostly like the distributor saying, this product sells really well. And we were like, we don't want to sell that. It stinks and it's ugly, you know? Like, that. that's the kind of... Uh, this whole, like, all the pressure you get from sort of the common... The common... What's common? And what we wanted to do, it was some, we wanted to elevate the standards. We wanted to have better quality more body safe material better functionality and and of course being females that could actually try these products we had the upper hand because any salesperson like a male salesperson he can never try this product on himself so we're like well you know you might sell a thousand of those a month but we i tried it and it doesn't work it's not good what is he going to say about that he can't say anything yeah definitely and I, I would I would add uh, to the general thing. So, the trick is there to to have your vision, the absolute belief in your vision, and then everything which comes up, you you check back with your vision. 
And if this right. doesn't fit, it doesn't matter what the common says, says, you stick to your vision. And the vision is more important than common knowledge or feedback from outside. That's right. probably how I would uh, sum it up or explain it. Um, so do you have a feeling that like outside of, of the, like not there you were able to, to play, the, to be a woman for your advantage in this context? Um, do you have the experience where it was, out of your perspective, a disadvantage in the business world to be a woman? Uh, yes, I, I do. I feel still that being a woman puts you a little bit at a disadvantage because you're not as credible as a guy. Like if you show up as a guy in business suit and you look like, like you look the part, you look like a business dude that has gone to a business school and you have your budget and, and, and especially this, that guys are really good at, they're, they look like they know everything, you know, <laughs> and females are more transparent that they don't know everything. Okay. And, and this is a generalization, but, but this is, this is, I think a lot of people can agree to this, that, that maybe females are a little more open with their weaknesses in, in, in a business situation. Unless she's like Margaret Thatcher wanting to be an alpha male, you know? Yeah. Uh, so so that's um, that definitely brought out some sort of protective instincts with people around us, but but it didn't like maybe tell them to to okay, they know what they're doing. Because mainly we didn't know exactly what we were doing. Um, and another thing with the erotic industry is that there's a lot of prejudice against it. Like banks, most banks will not have you as a client. Okay. Most insurance, yeah, most insurance companies wouldn't uh, have be allowed to take us on as a client and stuff like this. So there was also that whole aspect we were uh, up against. How did you how did you solve that? Like how did you solve this this weird bank issue that they we found a bank that was situated in the red light district in Copenhagen and they knew for a fact like what good business it could be to have a good, okay. you know, erotic business. <laughs> and they were solution. the only ones that said yes. So, yeah. okay, yeah, we okay. take that bank. That's an interesting solution. Like, you need to find a solution. That's It's a solution. And to the, yeah. to the other point, you would just say you, you just count on the people which are protective of you guys and support you with that. Or would you say, like, because... It never sounds good to just pretend to be someone like an alpha woman which knows everything. So probably the best solution there is just stick with it and just trust in people that you will find people which support you and yeah. honor you that you are transparent and uh, open with that. Exactly. Yeah. Be honest. Be be authentic. Yeah. And, and again, like rule with your heart. Steer with your heart, not just don't just listen to anybody, you know, because then you'll get lost. You have to be, you have to be the driver, but you have to also be open to input from people that have more experience or have a professionality that you you don't have, you know. So so there's always this processing of of information to navigate in the direction that you want to go, but you cannot just give up your control because this is your project and this is you driving this vehicle towards success, right? Yeah. Awesome. So then uh, you started to travel. You traveled always. Um, how, how, how was it then? Like, because then um, you said like you travel a lot or you're like a travel person. 
So yeah. how this come up or how this fits in, in, the, in the story? Right. Well, I mean, I, I, uh, I guess I always loved traveling, but then having a shop, as I said, is, is kind of you, it ties you down. You have to yeah. be there. It's a very structured work. You, you are tied up in the shop in a way. It's like a cage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but until you, you're, you're lucky or successful enough to, to be able to hire people to help you and to stand there and, and, and luckily, I'm in that position today where, where I'm actually not in the shop uh, anymore. And, and sometimes I miss it, but also, like, I've had that shop for 20 years. So I've been on the ground. Like, I've been doing this work for a long time. So, yeah, now I'm, I'm enjoying the freedom. And I, I travel. I, I, I commute to Denmark, actually, because I live in Spain. And now I'm also you know, taking t time, prioritizing to see other cultures, getting inspiration from other environments. And because and, I've had a long period where I couldn't do that. So now I'm like sort of back in the, in the exploring mode again. So how did you, how did you find uh, trustful employees? Because, or like employees which, which are um, reliable? Because that's like the main point you need them employees you can absolutely rely on to to yeah. go back from the well this is this seat. is a, a golden question because uh I've, i've had a lot of different people in working for me working with me um different types and it is hard to find someone you can trust like entirely and and i've learned a lot of like expensive lessons not to trust people too much but also just to to try to uh give out enough responsibility so it doesn't get boring but i'm still like i still have control over the money part and the payment of, of, of bills and stuff like this because i've had that other people doing that before and and it's like then you kind of lose control if you don't if you're not on top of these things so you said like the main the main uh, important things is like the paying the bills and buying stuff in. So that's that's the reason why you um why you kept that. It's it's a balance again. Like you can't just give up everything and think that everything will be taken care of. You lose your your touch and then you lose your control as well. Uh, I mean, I had you know I had uh, I opened a, sh a second shop in Denmark because I had some money to invest and, uh, and that was like, that was very different because I had no personal relationship to the shop. It was, it was an investment. It was a, a, a very similar shop to the one, to the original shop in Copenhagen. This was in Aarhus, the second biggest city. And I had a, a, a girl to manage it. And, but being dependent on other people, To run your business is not a, a very nice place to be, actually, because because you are not independent. Then I remember, and it, this was a, a lesson to be learned, because I was in the startup of my third shop in in Palma de Mallorca, Spain. So I had lost Copenhagen, the original shop. I had lost Aarhus in Denmark, and I was starting up the third 
last Palma de Mallorca. And uh, so I was in Palma uh, in that shop and I got a mo- uh, like a Monday morning, I got emails from the both managers of the Danish shops saying that they were ill and it wasn't just a flu, you know, it was like, we're, we're talking months, <laughs> we're talking stress-related illness and, and pregnancy-related illness. And I was like, okay, so what do I do now? Like I have two shops without leaders and I'm here now. And that was, of course, really difficult to deal with. But when problems come up, you just have to face them. You have to deal with them as good as you can. So you just... You just- Uh, you just took new managers in. You just tried to find as fast as possible new managers. Or how did you solve them? The yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the easiest solution is to to find the next sort of running up with competences uh, in house. And and but looking back, maybe that wasn't the best solution after all. It was like a the easiest solution there mm. and then. But the person that I choose to take over wasn't really qualified enough and and that had some bad effects on the business so so yeah not not all the easiest decisions like all the easiest solutions are the best solutions so how how do you how do you um do the control cycle about that so let's say this because you always need to give time To people to learn like 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 you say okay we promote one of the persons out of the business in the business because they know how it works the best and then they do some mistakes so you you like you say okay learn out of that so how how much how you how you handle that say okay this doesn't work or this doesn't work like how how you set the The limit to that, how, how you handle That's that. super, super, super hard. And this is the hardest, I think it's the hardest thing with having a company is to having staff and to lead an organization. This is, this is a science, you know, because it's psychology. Everybody's a, very different. They are good at different things. And also like your blind spots will, will make you see people with a limited sort of view you know mm. we 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 cannot we're not god we don't know like everything that's going on and why it's going on so yeah i would definitely say that that it has to be uh a, a, you have to take a decision every time but it's it's hard you know because you sort of grow used to a situation and then it can escalate so my general advice based upon my own sort of uh, experiences uh, throughout the years, I've had the shop for 20 years now, is that if you see something, if you notice something, if you feel something, just act on it immediately. Don't let it sort of hang to see, oh, is it going to get better? Or Because I mean, in my experience, it doesn't get better. It gets worse if you don't address it, if you're not open, if you don't communicate, if you don't use the tools as a leader to like, set things straight and set attitudes straight it's, it's a lot of communication like it's a lot of things go wrong when the communication is not there um, but but just sort of be open be transparent address any issues that you sort of feel arise and also you know 
make goals for people so they feel that they're actually getting somewhere and you can celebrate them getting there with you, you know. Okay, that, that's a good advice. So you trust your feelings even more and then try to um, address them as soon as possible. And don't wait so much. Yeah, awesome. So how was it, like, how, would you say it was... It was Triple easier to open the third shop, or how we would say was the the difference yeah. between first, it was second, fun. and it third. Was fun. I mean, it was my own shop, and it was uh, uh, then yeah, it's it gets easier and easier. Um, but it was a smaller shop, so in a way that was like maybe not so exciting, uh, and and then. I got bored of being in the shop, so then actually after like five, six years, I, I closed the Spanish shop again. Oh, okay. Uh, so we don't have that. Uh, but now it's like, now I feel like, oh, man, maybe another shop, you know, <laughs> maybe in Berlin even. So so like uh, we're, we're, uh, we're actually talking about that, opening a shop in Berlin. And But I would like a local partner and I would prefer to be female and to have some you know possible resources to put in there either you know well preferably uh money um but but uh, that's so that's sort of like something we want to do maybe yeah awesome um so that's like your biggest challenge right now that you think okay maybe i should open a new a new shop again and then uh, do it a, a fourth time the process Or what you would say is that's, the biggest that's challenge? That's one of my projects. I, oh, like, yeah, I have okay. many projects. Uh, I uh, I think it could be really good to 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 sort of perfect the concept for retail, but also because retail is such a challenging field right now. I, I want to sort of approach it in a more innovative way and and maybe even like develop a sort of mobile concept or okay. something that is a little more pop-up oriented that is a lighter setup than just a, a big space and and you know all this uh heavy heavy stuff so so that's something that I, i'm working with uh on just up here now in my head um and then i of course there's always this okay, where am I today and where do I want to go? Because one thing is to to start something up and keep it running, but when it comes down to it, you need to give yourself new motivation and new challenges and feel that you're growing, right? And, and I'm at the point now where where I can do this sort of in my sleep almost, you know? I, I can open a shop and stand there and, and, and that's great. But, but I'm also feeling that, okay, now I should also look into where do I want to be in like five or 10 years. And, uh, and I'm sort of moving towards the healing arts, but not just sexual healing, uh, more uh, on a general level and, and, you know, to, to build a beautiful retreat, for example, or, Uh, stuff like this, They're learning more tools to to help people with their healing and and 
self-development, which I have been doing, but again, very limited with their, with their sexuality. You know, that's just one angle. Yeah, we, we, we're healing on so many different levels and we can help each other do that on many levels. Awesome. So, um, do you have a favorite book you want to recommend? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I read like a maniac. So, uh, my favorite books tend to like shift a lot, but I, I, there are some classics that are great and that I would recommend any book lover to read. And the latest one I read was A Little Life. Okay. By an author called Hania Yanigiara. A Little Life, that's a very beautiful, a bit tragic, but amazing book about some friends in New York. Uh, and then Donna Tart is another author. So that's really, she's really good. She wrote a book called The Goldfinch. Um, so those two, I would say, are really up there. Awesome. Awesome. So the last question would be, um, if you could give, go back in time and give your 20-year-old self an advice, what you would say to your 20-year-old self? Yeah, I would probably advise myself not to waste too much time with sort of boring to-dos. Uh, I would advise myself to stay very close to things and also people that I love and that inspire me. I know that now that life like really goes by quickly and that you have to sort of always allow what's igniting your fire and, and inspiration and fantasies to, 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 to fill you up because if you're just saying, ah, I put that off until tomorrow, there's no tomorrow, you know, like this is life right now, right here. Don't wait. Just put yourself on the line and just try, you know. Maybe you fail, but at least you tried. There's nothing worse than just saying, Oh, I, I didn't try that because I, I played it safe, you know. I, I wasn't like that when I was 20. I was really wild, so maybe that applies more to any any general 20-year-old. But but the, the one thing I also think is really important is to 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 have some higher ideals to navigate after, you know, not just being egotistical or... or being driven by, you know, fame or fortune or this very kind of shallow motivations, but to, to, to bring in the best self you can be and, and always sort of have some kind of love and compassion for yourself and, and other people with you. So you at least, no matter what happens, you can like look back at your path and yourself and say, you know, you did your best. I love you. You know, yeah. there are so many people that, that, that don't really love themselves. And that's, that's, that's really important. You spend so much time with yourself this life, right? So be the best person for yourself you can be. With this awesome sentence, all podcast ends. And I'm looking forward to see you next time.